Yo, 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 heart, soul, humans. We are here, your two big brothers. How about that? Today, we're big brother co-hosts, Zach and Neil. What's up, brother Zach? <laughs> yo, man, I feel like you're my big brother sometimes, actually. That's, That's really nice. All right. Well, thank you. I'm happy uh, being yeah. a brother. No, I always actually wanted to be a big brother. Like really? that's with the uh, as like with the organization. That was one of the things like I've always wanted to do since college. I just never pulled the trigger on it. Oh, like big brother, like okay, like the organization, big brother, not like sibling, big brother. Yeah, big brother. No, I'm I'm yeah. the young. Well, I mean, actually, it makes sense. I'm the youngest child and the little brother. So of course, I always wanted to be the big brother. I was gonna ask, yeah, like <laughs> is that because you grew up with the big brother? Do you ever wish that you had like a little sister or a little brother? I think I asked for a little sister when I was like four or something like that. Yeah, but it it never actually really crossed my mind. But I do love like working with youth and stuff. I like back in the day, I worked in social services with youth, coach high school football. Like I loved being able to work with younger people and bring them along. So I see you working with young men for sure. Definitely. Uh, Like definitely like uh, taking like a football team, like a young football team, like a middle school or a freshman or JV football team and like doing like a, whatever, like a trial by fire with them. I don't really know what to call it. Like a rite of passage mm-hmm. with them and like yeah. taking them up through that. I think that would be really cool. I could see you doing that. That would be so fun. That was actually my thing. Um, I don't know if you know this, but when I moved to San Diego for grad school, I was actually going to start coaching football there too locally. And I got set up with one of like the premier high school teams and mm-hmm. just my schedule wouldn't work, but they're like a team where it's like, they're sending you to uh, NFL coaching camps or sending you to all these things and really developing the coaches as well. That's so it would have been so sick. Yeah. That would have been awesome. That would have been great leadership experience. Oh yeah. But I mean, that, that's my, you know, that's actually one of my like retirement things. Like in the day where I have nothing left to do, mm-hmm. I'm just going to coach high school football. Like if money yeah. were an issue, that would, that would have been my thing growing up. And I, I would still do that. All that. Yeah, man. Mentoring young men is, it's a fucking, it's a great honor. Yeah. And it keeps us young at the it same does, time. Man. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be around <laughs> young bucks, dude. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about it. like, there's, cause like every team, football, rugby, soccer, they've all got like one or two of those like wild guys. Mm-hmm. Like the, the one dude who just doesn't give a fuck. And he's always talking to the coach, like first name in the coach. <laughs> like, hey, what's up, Brad? And he just like runs in. He's just like, happiest guy happiest motherfucker yeah boundless energy that guy that everyone just loves he just shows up with like the biggest smile and super energetic and is just going going yeah he's just that guy yeah exactly he's always fucking skipping around the sidelines and shit he's always the most like the happiest guy on the sideline if he's benched for a second he's just hyping everybody else up like be that guy you know yeah yeah. That's a good guy. We like him. That's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> if you're out there, guy, you're invited to our team. Me and Zach, me and Zach are here. Come join the brotherhood. We'll be your big brothers. <laughs> yeah, man. But no, to bring it back, like actually, uh, I also wanted a little sister when I was growing up. Uh, I think there's, I think there's something that's to cool. that, you know, it's like that. Yeah. I think it's like that impulse to just like protect, you know, mm-hmm. it just lives inside of us when you're a kid. You're just like, I just want to have a little sister and just like take care of her. Oh yeah. I'm getting vibrations. So that makes so much sense too. Like how you and I have really been talking about recently, how deeply masculine our path actually is mm-hmm. in the levels like that we weren't as conscious of before growing up. And that makes sense, right? Like we just want to be the big brother and the protector and like, you know, this figure to this, a little sister, a little flower child. Yeah. Well, <laughs> flower, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I need something around more feminine than me. <laughs> balance me out, bro. At bro at Broet. Yeah. Bro-et. That's it. Yeah. There we go. That's the one. 
Uh, so we just did some beautiful breath work. Thanks to you, AKA three breaths, three breaths our, yeah. individually, our own breath work before that, but yep. you had an awesome experience you wanted to share about. So let's, let's drop some crazy woke bombs here. <laughs> yeah, this is, this was a pretty dope, uh, breath work practice that I learned over the summer. I learned it in July and it's called the ego eradicator is <laughs> super like masculine breath work shit. <laughs> this is the most challenging breath work practice I've ever done. Mm-hmm. I think I've done it in full probably three or four times and it just whoops my ass. Uh, so this, so basically the general outline of it is you start by just breathing gently and placing your awareness on the entire room around you, just feeling outward and becoming aware of your awareness. So being the observer and then feeling everything around you, keeping a soft gaze and just relaxation in the body and just a nice structure in the body. And then from there, you place your hands out in what's called the ego eradicator pose. Essentially, your uh, your, your arms are almost like goalposts, but like with a 45 degree angle with your uh, fingers placed into your palms and your thumbs out. And you do a breath for like three to five minutes where you inhale sharply through your nose. And then you exhale sharply through your nose by contracting your, your perineum and your abdomen. So it's like... <laughs> And you do that for like five minutes with your arms in that pose and like your shoulders are on fire and your breath is on fire. Burning. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to panic. Like you do that type of breath work. That's so hard where you start to almost have like a panic attack in the middle of it. And the goal is to keep your awareness wide and to keep yourself resting as the observer consciousness, as you, as your body is freaking the fuck out. So you're basically just trying to explain, to keep your body open soft and strong in the middle of duress essentially and then after you finish the breath work you breathe out fully and you hold the exhale and you keep your awareness on everything around you and you get in touch with death essentially mm-hmm. that everyone around you is going to die that you're going to die and you try and really feel that death from a place of honor not from a place of sadness so I went and did this out in the forest. I like found this really nice spot on this river that was just like bathed in the sunlight. So I like took my shirt off. I took my shoes off and I went into the river and the river was Zam, like, ice cold. Zam, just <laughs> flexing, flexing on these trees, bro. So I went into the river and the river's ice cold. It's like numbing my feet. The rocks are like sharp underneath my feet. And I like dig my feet into the, into the rocks. And uh, I did this breath practice. And since there were no people around me, I felt that every, that every tree and every plant around me would die. And I like saw that the river in like a thousand years, 2000 years, 10,000 years, the river was going to dry up underneath my feet and that all the trees would, you know, rot and fall away. And that eventually the earth would fall into the sun and be burned up. And then eventually I saw that the sun would, you know, collapse into a red dwarf, into a black hole and engulf everything. And, that eventually the whole universe that we live in is going to perish. And I like was feeling the universe dying in, you know, however many billions of years from now that that happens or trillions of years. And my awareness like lived on past the death of the universe. And I saw this vision where there was, it was in the spirit realm, essentially these higher realms and there was like a hole in the floor. If you've ever seen, uh, I think it's Spirit, like the new Pixar 
mm-hmm. whatever DreamWorks oh, soul? Go. soul. Yeah, soul, that one. Yeah. yeah, where it's like they have like the hole in the floor where they like drop into the to the universe, like from oh, the yeah, spirit yeah, realm. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like that, but it was like this giant, just empty space of kind of this like pink white mist. And in the hole was obviously like the universe and it was dying. Like you could see that the universe was collapsing and fading away and coming to its end. And around this, around this hole on all sides, spreading out for as far as you could see, were souls on their knees mourning the death of the universe. Mm-hmm. And at the center were the oldest souls who incarnated in the universe at its in its earliest stages. And with each concentric layer were younger and younger and younger souls. Essentially, the idea that those who had incarnated their earliest and graduated from incarnation and mm-hmm. acted as guides or healers and, you know, just had, you know, millions and millions of years of involvement in the universe were going to mourn it the most deeply. And you just saw this for as far as you could see. And it was still for a moment. And then one tear fell out of a soul. And then everyone started crying. And these tears were tears of light. They were like crystal light. And like the way that it sounded falling was like, if you had like rain made of crystals and it just like made this, the tears and the sorrow and the grief and the love that were held inside of these tears of light from billions and billions and billions and trillions of souls made this beautiful music that sounded like crystal wind chimes. And it was just like this incredibly powerful like experience. And then it all just, I all, I kind of like came back to, and I was just like standing in the river and I could feel my feet were like freezing in the river and I could feel the sun on my back and I'm really fucking white. So I could feel my skin burning <laughs> in the sun. And like, I could, like, I could hear the wind in the trees and the birds chirping. And like, I came back to life full on just life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like this incredible dichotomy. This is, it reminds me of the episode we talked, we recorded maybe like a month back about like when we face mortality, it brings in so much, such a reinvigorated sense of life. And it feels like that's what you got out of that. But actually when you told me that story, it was just like, I was so in awe, but I actually have a question about it now. Do you think, because we work through cycles, right? It's all about death and then death and creation of rebirth. Mm -hmm. And then that creates a new sense of life. Do you think within that image, you were, or that moment and that experience, it was taking into just pure ultimate death where there is no more cycle into life after that? Or do you, or was it just that immediate death ending morning preceding that moment of rebirth that comes after the universe then does its thing and comes back in? Yeah, it's infinite, right? And there will be, yeah. there will always be more universes, right? There are already other universes. Mm-hmm. And one of the aspects to that that I forgot to describe this time, but I'm pretty sure I told you last time, was that there was this presence mm-hmm. in in that sphere of thought. And it was this very, very heavy, loving presence. And it was the God consciousness. It was not the like overall mm-hmm. God consciousness, but it was the the God consciousness of the being that created our universe. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. it was it had the most powerful empathy that I've yeah. ever felt. It was at one, it was on one hand grieving the loss of its creation, Mm -hmm. but it was also experiencing the grief of every soul that was grieving that creation and simultaneously 
feeling this indescribable love for everything that had unfolded. It was feeling and experiencing all of the lifetimes and all of the grief and all of all of the incredibly nuanced and textured emotions that these souls were feeling and at once loving the experience of the unity that that created, that there was camaraderie at a level that we can't understand as humans um, and just admiring and feeling almost like it's not pride. It's like the highest level of pride you could imagine, like the most mm-hmm. pure integrous sense of pride you could imagine yeah, it's at, not at what it had created. Yeah. It was like, I'm so gr- profoundly grateful that I was able to create something that led to what I'm witnessing mm-hmm. in this. It's moment. like a parent's pure pride. Yes. Yeah. You know, what's crazy. <laughs> started thinking about football again as you were describing that and then you said the word camaraderie and then it really just hit in and I just you know I'm a guy that loves sports movies growing up love football movies and that's what I saw and just like another version of this scene of like myself as a coach and or maybe at like a championship game or something overcome all the diversity along the way adversity along the way. <laughs> overcome all the diversity, <laughs> diversity. Trump 2024 <laughs> I'm so glad you just, you just called that out because <laughs> I was laughing at that in my head. <laughs> oh yeah. We, we went very uh, ethnic diverse and then here. all of a sudden we're just very bland. <laughs> no, we were, we like had up, <laughs> overcome all the adversity along the way. And we get to the championship game and we're fighting and scrapping and working and all of a sudden we just lose. That's it. And it's just being proud of these kids and everything they had done and knowing know that this is over and that's okay like i feel my pain i feel my pride in a, the in the grounded way i feel this immense love and heartbreak and then the heartbreak of all those kids all at once yeah and what I, like a part of what i see in that too is you know there's there's a kid just fucking sobbing in, in the midst of this loss, right? Like these, you know, this, this masculine, I fucking failed at my purpose, like type of mm-hmm. type of sorrow. And then and like two other kids walk up to him and just like sit down next to him and just like sit with him. Yeah. They're like, it's okay. We did our best, you know? And there's yeah. just like, it's like the camaraderie and the uplifting and the support. And they're just in it together, feeling mm-hmm. together and supporting each other through it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said for somebody who can truly understand what you're going through and does that in silence with you. Mm -hmm. Just there. Yep. Yeah. It's so meaningful. And it's, there's a felt presence, right? Rather than like someone who doesn't understand, they're trying to talk you through it. Like maybe like one of the parents of the kids, like, oh, it's okay, honey. Like, you did your best. That kid loves you anyway. Do a single thing for that kid at that moment. The hug Mm -hmm. will, but someone who truly gets it and has been there and is just there with him, like, yeah, dude, this fucking dude sucks. There was (laughs) nothing that pissed me off more than if I lost a match. And my mom was like, it's okay, sweetie. Like, I love you anyway. Like, yeah. as long as you're having fun. I was like, just shut the fuck up. Like, like you know, I love you as well, but shut the fuck up. Love you. <laughs> thank you. This hurts. Let it freaking hurt. 
Yeah. <laughs> like let, let we this need pain that. make me better. Yeah. yeah. Don't try and don't try and get me out of this. Mm-hmm. Especially not like when you're when you fail at your purpose. The last mm-hmm. thing I want to hear is it's okay you tried, or like it's okay as long as you're having fun or whatever. Like that's not the fucking point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like if I lost if I lost a game of Jenga. And you were like, as long as you had fun, it's okay. I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's like, cool. yeah, whatever. But like, Django, bro, <laughs> I've, I've committed, I've committed endless hours to this thing, endless tears, blood, sweat, fucking got mm-hmm. MRSA, you know, <laughs> like, like all this crazy <laughs> shit. Like, you know, I've got scars to show for this, and all, and I fucking lost. You know, yeah. like, there's something to be, yeah, there's something to be said for 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 profound loss. You know, it's too. Tie it into your story. Profound loss is, in its own right, the ego eradicator, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can build this great sense of self and put it all on the line, and just fail. That sucks, but that's yes. the ego eradicator. But at the same time, you feel that you work through it, and it creates a greater sense of will to come back even more. Most of the time, sometimes maybe not. There, but. And, but there would, and there would be no such thing as putting it all on the line if the opportunity for loss wasn't mm-hmm. in existence, right? Like you, to put your back against the wall implies that, you know, there's a, there's a chance there's that a you're going to lose here. and yeah. you have no way of knowing. Would you even want to do all this if that risk wasn't there either? Right. Exactly. If you're okay, I'm just going to work. I'm going to do like double days for this entire year and take one day off each week and just grind just because no yeah, just because yeah <laughs> i'm gonna win anyway but like, yeah. like no, there's no fucking way you're never in there you learn about yourself at a soul level through that type of self-imposed adversity because like mm-hmm. it's you sharpening yourself every day and yeah like you're sparring against people you're you have a coach yelling at you telling you to do the work but at the end of the day like you're the person who looks at yourself in the mirror every night and goes like, did you fucking do it? Like, did mm-hmm. you give it everything? You know, and how much more does that open your heart to exactly? Way, right. To really pour it out, push it and empty it and let whatever feelings come up as you go through that process and then learn to refill it again and yep. come back even greater, bigger, more loving, more engaged, more driven, connected to it, embodied. <laughs> pushing yourself to the absolute limit in the pursuit of your, of your purpose is what creates strength of heart. Mm-hmm. And ultimately like, strength of will as a, as a byproduct of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the, the, the will to keep going is what forces your heart to keep growing. Yeah. It's like when your body is hurting, is beat up and you're tired and you're sad and you don't know if you're going to win, if you're going to succeed, if any of it's going to be worth it. And you just decide to give it meaning. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to keep going because I said I was going to keep going. No room for anything else because I said so and I'm going to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the power, right, of, of this masculine heart if we're talking specifically on the masculine side. And the thing that's so beautiful, 
I'm take it back into Coach Neil with like the youth is a lot of times we don't have this yet. And we're learning to understand what it means to be committed, to be driven, to be uh, disciplined, to be there for not only yourself, but the people around you. Mm-hmm. As you cultivate this heart that also expresses into the rest of your life. Like I can't tell you how many people that I played with or that I coached, their lives improved as a result of being there because they learn to really show up. They learn to really love something and commit to something. And then that extended into all the different facets of their life. There is almost nothing that like can turn a person's life around at a young age, like good coaching, like a coach on your sports team who it doesn't belittle you, but doesn't let you get away with your shit Mm -hmm. either. Right. It's the, it's the tough love, right? It's the, the coach that goes like, I'm giving you a hard time and I'm making you do extra laps or I'm making you do extra suicides or I'm making you run till you puke because I know what you're capable of. And I see you shortchanging yourself every day that you show up here. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to let that happen. Like, I'm not yeah. going to let you shortchange yourself. Yeah. And I'm going to do this until you see like the strength that you have inside of you. I mean, that was something that, mm-hmm. that I got from wrestling was like, I have sports-induced asthma, so or I was diagnosed with sports-induced asthma when I was like 15. So uh, I get wheezy real quick when mm-hmm. I'm when I'm exercising, and wrestling is one of the most challenging sports mm-hmm. on your conditioning that exists. I can't imagine having. To, I mean, those like, two hand in hand. Like I mean, we would warm up by doing like a three and a half mile run, and then we would do like we call them reverse Indian death runs, where you like run around the track, oh, and the suck. person the person in the front has to run around the track to get to the person in the back while everyone's still running. Ah. So like you're running, you're sprinting miles basically, and that's like warm up, and then we wrestle, you know. And there were, I mean, during my junior year, I probably puked at least once a week during practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we don't turn the AC on in the room either. Yeah. And we were in Arizona. So like 110 degrees, 115 degrees in the room, you're fucking wrestling, you're cutting weight. We had dudes from, we had football players from ASU come and like can do conditioning with us and they would pass out. Like I had to drag a 230 pound guy out of the room who had passed out one time. Yeah. Um, and you're in there, you're fucking grinding. People are beating the shit out of you. You're hot. Someone's hot breath is on the back of your neck. You get angry, all that sweat over you and you're you're in a position where you can't do anything. You're getting head butted. Your nose is bleeding. Your lip is bleeding. You know, your forehead's cut open. Coach is yelling at you. Coach is yelling at you. You got to hit that move, right? Your shoulders hurt. Your muscles hurt. Your fucking chest hurts from breathing heavy. And then you're like, I'm going to fucking pass out. And then you puke. And then you're like, okay, it's time to go back out there. There's no break. It's not like, oh, you puked. All right. Take like 10 minutes off. It's like, all right. Like you puked. You're done. You done puking. You going to puke on the mat? No, sir. All right. Get back on the mat. Let's keep going. Wipe your shoes off. Let's keep going. You know, like you, you learn a lot about yourself (laughs) when you're in there quickly. You learn where you're weak for sure. And you, you hear that voice inside you that goes, it would be fine if you just went a little bit easier on yourself. Like Mm -hmm. it'd be okay if you stopped right now, you know, (laughs) you're like, Ooh, you're not my friend. That's that voice is not my friend. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's what we're designed for too. You know, if we kind of take this a little bit outside of the scope of this conversation, like Mm -hmm. as human beings, that's what we're made for. 
for that voice to come up and for us to work through it. You know, that's yeah. That voice actually running. is our friend, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the, it is. That it voice is us, the resistance. But, yeah. Yeah. But it's necessary too. You know, the, the biggest issue that we have in society is everything is too easy. And that voice doesn't come up. We don't have the opportunity to overcome it. And the physiological responses that we get when we work through those things mm-hmm. are good for us. So, yeah. I think I'm going to do a fucking five minute squat hold after this conversation's done. My work has done. So it's all you. <laughs> I'm just going to do it until my fucking legs give out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, you can use that, uh, mace and hold that out too. If you really wanted to push it, yeah, if my neck wasn't, if my neck wasn't, oh, still yeah, banged up, I, would, I would do that. Yeah. But I think the five minute, <laughs> we're good there. We'll, we'll yeah. there. We're not yeah. pushing back to high school mode. <laughs> yeah. Watch me get rabdo. <laughs> uh, oh God. Yeah. This, this, we went, you were in such a beautiful conversation about the breathwork practice and this spiritual experience. And it got real deep, real, real, real fast. (laughs) We like, we intended to come on this podcast and talk about what it's like to live as an empath. (laughs) And then Zach's like, yo, let's take three deep grounding breaths in the mother earth. (laughs) And it just came. Do you? (laughs) We just got way too fucking, way too heavy, dude. We just fucking fired each other up. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll share uh, a breath work experience myself as well, and we may just bypass that other topic. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, my when I started working with the records, you know, my experience it was like all these like God activations, experiences with all this crazy ass stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And my very first breath work experience was my very first experience with God, actually, and. It was a workshop on holotropic breathwork, which was basically breathwork for altered consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Stanislav Grof. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So the funny thing is, at the end of this whole workshop, everyone's going over their experiences. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, I was floating in the stars, and it was like so beautiful." And the other person's like, "Yeah, I was like off in this like astral realm, and everything everything was just so pure, and like this consciousness was so amazing." And then I go, I'm like, this was the most fucking painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. (laughs) And what we did to decompress after it, to integrate, it was like everyone drew a mandala um, in alignment with their experience that that they had. And mine was like big black circles and everyone else is all like blue and pink and like yellow and golden. (laughs) Just like classic spiritual, like classic. It's like a fucking unicorn somewhere. (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah my experience was gnarly man um basically i went in really quick too like i, I could feel like everyone else is still going and for me in a matter of like 30 seconds i was just dropped into this state already and it usually takes like five minutes to like slowly progress your way in mm-hmm. and my experience was as I went through soul it. shit right there. Yeah, the old soul <laughs> shit. Exactly. And that's what it was. This was the uh, first like actual I've been experience a shaman in too many lives. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all that came rushing through in this experience. Oh, shit. Like okay. my hands, my feet, the only way I could describe it was basically um, they became black holes of energy. And so much energy was moving through my hands and my feet. Yeah. It was just immense pain and it wasn't physical pain it was like energetic spiritual pain because i've never connected to moved experienced so much energy before it seriously felt like black holes there and i was in this place in my life as well where i was learning to 
push myself. Mm-hmm. I was really struggling with, this was the beginning of like being building my business. And I was really struggling with showing up to like build my website, to consistently, um, you know, do my energy work, to do whatever it is I needed to do on a daily basis. And that was my intention in that phase of my life. And I went into this experience with that same mentality. I'm like, oh my God, this hurts. This is really difficult. I want to give up. I'm not going to. I'm not going to give up anymore. That's what I was working through. And so I was pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And it was getting more and more painful every single second, man. And we hit this crescendo in the breathwork process where like things are starting to lighten. Just as that happens, boom, everything just comes to a standstill. And there's this voice, just like big, big voice. I'm like, I got the full shivers right now as I'm saying this. That just hits in the back of my head. It's like, you don't have to push anymore. You can stop. You're done. You've done the work. Let go. And I did. And it just became the most beautiful experience I could ever have after that. And it just softened and flowed. And the spiritual experiences after that were insane, dude. Mm -hmm. I could feel and see energy cycling from my crown to my feet, from my feet to my hands in the same way that you like see a cell and like all the different layers are just moving around it and cycling all the, um, you know, everything within the molecule. And that's what I was feeling, all this energy just shooting through different parts of me and just spinning all around me. And then I felt the God energy again. And then I felt my energy from me, from my heart, move into, shoot out from my body into all the other people around me that were in this experience. And then this golden light just showered through like a waterfall all over the entire room. And it was just this immense feeling of peace. And then I was done. And so I then just sat there just chilling. Yeah, I golden showered from God. (laughs) (laughs) And I just sat there for like half an hour as everyone else was going through their experience, just like holding this space. And now as I'm speaking through this, I can realize too, part of them like being in the astral was me going through my process to also support that for them, this energy that was coming through me so they can be in this place of just pure bliss and joy. And also, I mean, your experience being amplified by Mm -hmm. their intention Mm -hmm. to, to transcend as well. Right. Yeah. All working together. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. Like the amplification and consciousness that we can get from like shared intention. Mm -hmm. It's It's magic. Yeah. And hopefully no one else ever has to experience the same black hole misery pain as I did though. Yeah. <laughs> In that touch of setting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feel like your fucking hands are just like nailed. I mean, it's actually like almost like having your hands nailed down, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of kind of like intense spiritual pain. I've you know, I've heard some people share that when they have like a f- like a deep embodied like experience of Christ consciousness where they get into a moment where they feel like their hands are actually just like nailed down to the cross mm. and like they can feel that pain. And then I've heard other experiences where people like go through that full process of like pain into enlightenment, kind of like in, in, not saying I was enlightened in that moment, but like that same experience that I went through of like deep, 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 deep shadow, pain, 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 pure bliss and joy. And it's mm-hmm. happened. And when I hear that, it's always through like a Christ consciousness experience. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard, I've heard it through Buddha consciousness as well, with regards to, uh, I make a distinction between the two, um, but with Eckhart Tolle, I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. physical pain, but like people who go through like the deepest, darkest depression, and like I mean, dark night of the soul, emotional experience. Yeah, I mean, to the point where their their consciousness and energy is so low that they don't even have the motivation to kill themselves because mm-hmm. what's even the point of that you know what i mean like that level of of darkness right right and uh then they'll just in a moment like break through and just be like in pure presence in pure like surrender and i mean that's exactly that's pretty much exactly what happened to eckhart tolle i think that happened to byron katie uh and i think a few others where it's just like this depressive pain where they're just like like glued to their bed or glued to a chair or wherever they're sitting, wherever they're at in the moment. And then they just like have a moment where like everything is just beautiful. You guys wouldn't believe the shit Neil just said to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was just talking about how pretty you are. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. (laughs) He wants to make babies with me. It's, it's happening. Uh, so we're going to be spiritual babies. We're going to be posting a registry here soon. So if you guys want to send us shit, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Maybe we'll actually do that. If you guys <laughs> want to give us some love. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, cause we don't get paid for this podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> I ripped my heart out for you guys and it's uh, free. Same with Zach. So, <laughs> so we were talking, I, I alluded briefly to the idea that there's, uh, kind of a, I make a subtle distinction between Christ and Buddha consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at the the highest levels, obviously everything's the same, right? So really Christ and Buddha consciousness, even just calling them that is, you know, just consciousness. It's just transient. Yeah. It's just yeah. like a way to label something, but both of them try to take you to a similar thing. And you can think of this almost like masculine and feminine, how it's like two paths to the same overarching consciousness. I, I see the the Buddhist, the Buddha consciousness approach and the Christ consciousness approach as taking us to the same place mm-hmm. ultimately. But I see Buddha consciousness as pure awareness, as pure surrender, right? It's the the relief of suffering through the surrender to attachments. It's like letting go of clinging to anything transient at the, you know, in, in instead anchoring in as pure consciousness, just being aware. Right. You can think of, I've described the letting go technique on this podcast multiple times. And you know, the idea that you turn your awareness towards a bodily sensation, like an emotion or even like a physical pain. And you just feel it until it, you feel it and observe it until it dissipates that would be an example of surrender of like Buddha, the the Buddhist approach to enlightenment with every subsequent thing that you release and that you surrender your consciousness elevates in frequency. Whereas I see Christ consciousness being this very, instead of kind of crown based, like you would think of Buddha consciousness being like very heart based where it's Mm -hmm. like everything, everything is loved and forgiven everything is seen as part of the same, right? So instead of, instead of me being like, oh my God, this incredible heartbreak, like this person, this person betrayed me. Well, I'll just surrender it That That would be the Buddha consciousness of just like, I, well, it was all transient anyway. What happened was just 
this was just the out picturing of this thing coming to an end, coming to yeah. its inevitable end anyway. It was either going to be a I temporary died. experience. Yeah. I died, they died, we broke up, one of us betrayed each other, like whatever it was going to end, this was just the way that it happened. Let me surrender it. Versus in the Christ consciousness going like, kind of like how Jaden talked about a couple of weeks ago, I see this person's innocence and I forgive them. And I love, like I press love versus I press consciousness. Right. So you can almost see it as like the masculine feminine type of polarity. Um, And in Christ consciousness, you kind of manifest the kingdom of heaven where all things are divine love. All things are seen as expressions of love where in Buddha consciousness, it would also be divine kingdom of heaven type of thing, but it's kind of like all things are. Yeah. Just all things are. They just are. And there is no you or I. Yeah. So let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Exactly. Because that's just the way it is we're all just, we're all just one consciousness. And this is all just a transient experience of consciousness. And I am identified as conscious. Just, I am. Do you feel, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about is the modern implications of, you know, traditional ideas. That's kind of Mm -hmm. what our whole thought process was with the original podcast of like taking these deep things and bringing it into practicality. Do you feel like there is a coming together of those two in a way that's really, that's necessary for the collective right now? Like Between where do these, like, where do these Christ. philosophies come together for us as people, everyday people? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I'll start once again with like the esoteric, cause that's kind of where mm-hmm. I live. Um, and I'll work, I'll work my way towards the practical. So like I said, these are both just delineations or distinctions of the exact same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have you can't have form without consciousness, and right. like you can't have something to you can't be aware of something without awareness, and you can't be aware of something without the thing, right? So you can't have love without consciousness. You can't have consciousness without love. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, love love allows for consciousness to do as it as it may. Uh, so I was talking to our, to one of our friends about this. I, so for example, I like the way that Christ consciousness feels in my Mm -hmm. body far more. However, (laughs) uh, I think I gravitate towards the more Buddhist surrender approach in day-to-day life. And our friend, uh, basically said, I think that the Buddha approach is more practical in day-to-day life because, you know, it's also geographical. So she was talking about how she lives near Detroit and she's like in Detroit, Christ consciousness is not exactly something that is easy to press essentially. Right. It's like not easy to walk around and just love everything, you know, to like walk, to walk through the projects, to walk through the project aid housing and just be like, I love this. Or like your car ends up on blocks. Oh, I love this too. Right but it's a lot easier to just surrender it to just be like, this is just a phenomenon that is occurring. This is just a transient thing. And just like becoming one with consciousness and becoming one with like the fucking molecules of the universe. Right. And it does feel blissful. It actually like Buddha consciousness resting as consciousness does actually feel quite blissful. Um, But it's maybe not quite the same ecstatic consciousness that you would have with Christ consciousness. So I think these two things blend in the place where at a higher level you 
have this immense outpouring of love from your heart where nothing and no one can do harm. You just see their innocence, you see their purity, and your heart is loving them, like regardless of, of what is transpiring. And at the same time, you are aware that there is a part of you that is aware of the experience of that love, that you would not be able to have a cognitive or a cognition about love. You would not be able to have a cognitive awareness of these people and of these phenomena or a cognitive awareness of there being a subject-object relationship between lover and loved if there was not pure consciousness and pure awareness to observe it. And so you rest as that consciousness witnessing your heart loving because your heart has no choice but to love. And it becomes obvious in those places where you're like, of course my heart loves these people. Of course my heart loves this situation. How could it not? And how could I not be a perfect witness of this when all that I am is love and consciousness? So that's kind of the way that it manifests you know, when you're sharing your resonance of like the Buddhist side more, this is just funny because me as Mr. Former Monk, um, I read and it actually makes sense, but I resonate more with the Christ consciousness side of it, mm-hmm. of being able to just feel this love of everything. But I was thinking about it as you were speaking as well. And the way I see it practically for, especially in like the US is it makes more sense to go from to start off with the Buddhist perspective and then to move into a Christ consciousness um, experience. Because I think yeah. going through that Buddhist side can really open up that space for you to move into that deep, deep sense of love. It's like, you know, if we take it back into what we we're talking about with your breathwork experience, mm-hmm. ego eradicator, right? You got to do that first and then move into this place where then you can experience this profound sense of love and life. Yes. So what we had essentially come to the, not the conclusion of necessarily, but kind of one way to make a distinction for them that was a little simplified was that Christ consciousness would be divine forgiveness or divine love. Whereas Buddha consciousness would be divine acceptance. Mm -hmm. Like I just accept things for the way that they are. And there's bliss in that as well. Uh, And she said like, these are like medicines that can be prescribed to bring harmony to a soul. Mm-hmm. which I thought was a very beautiful way of kind of saying that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a lot easier to accept something than it is to love it. I love think it, acceptance yeah. is kind of a prerequisite to love. Mm-hmm. Like I can't love something if I can't, can't accept that it's happening. Right. Yeah. Like if I'm, this is step a, <laughs> yeah. If I'm resisting my, like, for, let's take, let's take chronic pain as an example. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, I'll just, maybe not even chronic pain. I'll just take this neck pain that I've been experiencing. It's better now, but there were several days where I couldn't even really move my neck. And I, you know, like when I woke up, I had this experience of trying to resist it where it was like, okay, maybe I'll ice it. Maybe I'll take some NSAIDs. Maybe I'll sit with my neck really stiff or find a position that I can sit in that makes the pain go away and blah, blah, blah. But all that would do would just be to make me essentially sit completely ramrod still for the entire day. And the issue is still going to be there underneath it all. Yeah. I'm still going to be feeling pain. It's just going to be less pain. Right. And so I decided to first just accept that I was in pain, right? Like, okay, there's pain here. 
Like this is my experience today. Okay. This sucks. I have to be okay with it because there's no other way. I am God in the form of man experiencing pain and just took a moment. And from that, I could then actually start to kind of love it. And what I realized I was in meditation, having this experience and I was like, okay, I'm going to love this pain as it is, as an aspect of God. This is actually earth's pain. If I think about it, like my body is constructed from the molecules that came from the soil of earth. Therefore this pain I'm experiencing is, you know, my consciousness is experiencing the pain, but my body, which is an extension of earth is in pain. This is earth's pain. Like, can I love it? And I kept thinking that by loving the pain, the quality of the pain would change, but that's not love, right? That's resistance again. Mm -hmm. And so I actually came to this place in consciousness where the pain existed as the exact same sensation in my neck and my shoulder that it was before I did the meditation, but I loved it afterwards. And that changed my experience of it. And it's very hard to describe because it removes like the resistance to it and the fight that you hold. Yes. The somatic sensation was identical, but the experience and consciousness was completely different. Yeah. It makes me think of this moment I had uh, when I was working in social services with youth and youths, youths, the youths <laughs> with the youngins. And it was this kid who just like, he just beats himself up over everything. And I also know that because I did the same thing. Mm-hmm. But at this point I was talking to him. I was like, dude, like just slow down for a second. Like you're, this situation sucks. Okay. We know that, you know, that that's why we're here right now dealing with it. Like we are right now. But the thing is what you're doing to it is making it worse. So you want to add fuel to the fire and make it even more difficult and more heavy. And you're just going to root, like think about it over and over and like try to do this, this, and this. And like, you can just say that it sucks. And just be okay with that for a little bit and mm-hmm. take off that weight of the situation. You're just going to carry it around and it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, man. I think, I think Jaden spoke to this briefly on the podcast mm-hmm. the other, the other week. Uh, but I, I think let's, let's go into a little bit more detail with that idea. Resistance actually creates more disharmony in an already mm-hmm. disharmonious state because you are taking a negative emotion and you're actually investing it with negative energy by resisting it. You're investing it with an energy of separation. Um, and these things, this divine acceptance and this divine love, I cannot overemphasize how profound these things actually are when you experience them. Um, how I, how I highly recommend acceptance <laughs> to people because divine love transmutes what is right. So I kind of want to take this from both different perspectives. If you're like this kid right, beating himself up for not succeeding for not whatever it was, he was beating himself up for, uh, by loving it, you change the nature of that emotion, which is being experienced it completely transmutes it and turns it into something new. Divine acceptance allows it to change on its own or to pass through you or to go away, right? It's like, as soon as I accept it, I'm no longer holding to it and like 
burn. It's like if you grabbed onto a hot pan and you were like, this pan's not hot. And you just kept holding it and it's just fucking burning your fingers versus pulling your fingers away and being like, okay, I accept that the pan is hot. And yeah. like you, you remove your hand from it and you let the pan cool off is kind of like acceptance and love would be like pouring cool water, cold water on the pan and being mm-hmm. like, all right, let, let me cool this off or let me run my fingers under some ice cold water. Yeah. You get to take off like that heavy backpack or the weight vest that you're carrying and just be, yeah. kind of let everything melt off for a second. Mm-hmm. Like butter. Yeah, like Buddha, 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 Buddha. Buddha butter. Buddha butter. Buddha butter. Oh, That's going to be a name of something. I don't know what it is, but we can start selling some Buddha butter. Let's do uh let's do honey rose lotus or like honey, honey lotus uh flavored butter. Mm. Buddha butter. Turmeric in it. Anti-inflammatory mm. properties. Mm. Mm. Buddha butter. You don't want some Buddha butter? Buddha butter? I just yeah. really enjoy saying that. That was actually good. totally derailed everything. It sounds fucking delicious, actually. Straight yeah. up. I, I know we, we both just totally derailed, but in high school, um, before I really started getting heavy in the weight room and really like amping up my training, mm-hmm. had the Buddha belly on me, right? I was mm-hmm. eating shit tons of rice because it was football. Um, and I also like was Neil, the Buddhist dude. So I was just called Buddha left and right over and over and over by these coaches. And I have like the long Buddha earlobes and, you know, on a spiritual level, like, you know, I've been a monk in several lifetimes as well as like was one in this lifetime for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So like it yeah, was a quiet thing. and stillness is definitely like your, your prior default. lifetime <laughs> default. Yeah. 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 So I was Buddha. Just had to share that Buddha from, baby. From one of my old nicknames. Yeah. Buddha. Now it's Buddha butter. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've thoroughly gone off track and have done a whole episode of getting off track in the most entertaining way possible. I hope. I feel like we went off track on some really good fucking. <laughs> I think really so too. Areas, actually, yeah, yeah, I think this was a sick hodgepodge. So <laughs> super masculine Ooh, into super hodgepodge. spiritual. That's the, that may be the episode. It's the hodgepodge of Buddha butter. It's my like, uh, yeah. my one of my buddies from childhood. Um, I, you know, I said he lives in or he used to live in Arizona. He lives in like Washington now or something like that, but. Uh, I knew him when I was in like middle school and high school and his family, like I have this tendency where I just like win parents over. And then I just like, they call me son. And like, that's like yeah, my favorite same thing. thing. In the world. Yeah. It was like being taken in by like my friend's family or my girlfriend's family or whatever it is. And so uh, I, you know, since he lived in Arizona, I stopped seeing him frequently when I moved. So I'd only see him once a year on Christmas Eve and I'd spent Christmas Eve with his family and his stepdad is like this amazing cook like fucking unreal I, I can't even describe to you and at the end he, he always makes this thing called like a hodgepodge for christmas eve where it's just like all the smoked meats that he's made throughout the year he like saves oh, yeah. a little bit in the freezer every like every year and then he makes this hodgepodge soup that's like sausage and smoked brisket and like filet mignon and like a little bit of like just a little bit of everything and he makes his fucking delicious my mouth is watering so hard. I know. Right I think about it. I'm like, oh, that sounds good. Give me some barbecue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, this is our hodgepodge to our beautiful heart, soul, human audience. So we hope you enjoyed all our bits and pieces of all our barbecued meats that we put together in a stew for you. <laughs> spiritual barbecued meat. This is our spiritual barbecued meat side of Buddha butter. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> I hope, that, I hope that none of this podcast made sense. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Uh, Bye. Bye.